Welcome to the More Business, More Life podcast. This show is for socially conscious leaders, entrepreneurs, CEO founders that have found success, but they yet they don't have the ideal life that they would like. And what we're going to do is bring in concepts and systems so that we can increase business with millions of additional revenue while lowering our work hours, ideally below 40 hours a week. We call this more business, more life. And it's an and, not an or. We don't have to have either or. We can actually systemize this to have both. And those are the concepts we're going to come with each episode. Sometimes we might talk a little bit more about business, sometimes more life, most of the time, both. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to emphasize more life. What do you do with that more life? How can you get more sleep? And what happens when you do? What do you do when you eat better, when you're more mindful, when you start choosing the things in your life? And then guess what? It lifts our energy up. And when our energy's higher, we're more efficient at work. So we we literally get more business. So when you have, so this is circular. When you have more life, you get more business. When you have more business, you get more life. And it's like a big, big circle. We're going to emphasize how do we have more life, which will give us more energy, which will give us more opportunity to have more of everything in our life. So let's dive in and pick these things apart. As we start to have more life, you know, what are those things that are going to give us even more, more out of our life, more energy and more, you know, experiencing more love and more of the experiences we want in our life. As we have those, it actually feeds our business as well, because You know, just like if you have a bad day at work, it tends to trickle into your home life, right? You bring some of that with you. And then if you have like a fight or something happens at home, it tends to come over to your business life. The same thing happens with the good stuff. And that's what we're working on and we're we're bringing in. It's all by design. So as we design our business so that we, you know, get out of, out of there, don't live everything. And, and, don't get me wrong. Like there are people that were very passionate. I'm a very passionate person. I'm, I care about the work that we do. Even this work, like when I'm helping businesses have more business and more life. And when we're doing this podcast, for me, it's not work. It, it brings so much joy. And I'm also a married man. And, and I like to spend time with my wife. I like to spend time with my children. I like to spend time in nature. I like to go on trips. There's so many things and those things, that's what we want to talk about. Those things outside of our daily work or, or whatever energy you're putting into the good things you're creating on this planet, we need pause from those things and they're good. And so, you know, it sounds smart in some ways to say, I'm going to work like crazy because I know what I want to get done and I'm going to put all the hours in until I'm blue in the face and I'm going to get this thing done. And that can sound like, okay, you know, yet you could do that. And what I found is when I actually take care of myself, when I actually give myself rest, when I actually have moments of mindfulness, of meditation, when I eat better, when I sleep more, I have more energy and I make better decisions. I make less mistakes. And ultimately then I perform better and have more output. You know, we've gotten to this, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday, we've gotten to this point where, you know, 
time is what's been valued. Even paying people on an hourly basis, it's all based on that time is is the value when it's not. I mean, if you if you clock in and sit in a chair, then unless that's your job to test chairs and make sure they don't break, you know, that could be that could be valuable. Now, all joking aside, the reality is value comes from results, not time. And so if I take care of myself, if I sleep more, if I eat better, if I have a good mindfulness practice and I come in with a strong mind and good decision-making faculty and better strategy, then I could work a lot less hours and outperform my counterparts. And this is true. We tested it over and over and not just me. There's other people, other companies, other data out there. It's like overwhelmingly uh, proven that these things, these things work. So we wanted to take some time, like, what are these things that can give us more energy? Because I guess I want to say one last thing to kind of, as we were kicking this off, a lot of people think time is the most valuable thing. And we spend so much time with time management, right? And how, how do we, how do we do that? And as the famous quote from Melissa's father, you know, everyone has the same amount of hours as the president of the United States, right? Which is, which is true. We all have the same hours. Like, you know, you can't go buy an extra hour. Believe me, in my younger years, I tried. Does anybody, is anybody selling hours? A little did I know, Giovanni, that comes back to you, that it was delegation, right? You actually can buy hours if you delegate things to other people. And all of this energy to me is more valuable. If you have more energy, you can do a lot more in, in the same hour as someone else. So then, you know, when we're sacrificing our energy, it's a lot worse than than putting in loads of time. Like it's it actually, and the loads of time that you put in actually sacrifices energy as well. So you're ultimately depleting your power. And to me, I would rather have someone for less time with more energy than someone that has low energy and they'll give me all their time. I'll pick the person with more energy. They'll get, they'll get more done. Yeah, we were, it's funny because we were just talking with in another meeting about something and that's what brought it to, to mind and why I suggested we talk about this today is that uh, some of the things we'll talk about that we're going to talk about is in today's society seems like alternative to like alternative methods or whatnot. And then some of them is just, you know, plain used to be common sense and we've gotten away from, like if we wanted to jump right into it, like sleep is a huge one. And that's one, I'll be honest with you straight up right now, that's the one I'm struggling with the most is getting proper sleep. And I know, I remember there's studies that like only getting so much sleep or like the more you deplete yourself of sleep, the more you're like depleting your lifespan. Like you're like literally taking years off your life of not sleeping and just the mental decline and everything. But for me, my story right now, like is, so we have a two-year-old and still trying to get in our, our story. We're still trying to get like, or me, I should say, is trying to get a better schedule. And I feel like I get, I've always been a night person anyway, but now I have to be quote unquote, a morning person too, because the little one gets up earlier. And so like now my, my sleep that I have is, is diminished, but I'm like, I feel like I have more focus at the night, at the nighttime, after we do her whole nighttime routine, I get down. Sometimes I can focus and then sometimes it's like a wasted day. I'm like, I should have just went to bed. This is ridiculous. 
but I notice the days that I do have sleep versus the ones that I don't. And it's a huge difference throughout the day. Like I, I know I will just have more focus. I have more energy right off the bat and I can get more things done. When you have more focus and more energy, like you can get more things. You just get more things done, right? When you're tired, groggy, you can't focus, like fog is just set in. Like it's hard just to sit down and, and if you stare at a screen all day, it's just like you have a million different distractions you can have in front of you. And then you're just like, for me, I just bounce around from thing to thing. And then that makes me even more tired because you're draining the battery even more. Going back to your analogy of the drill, right? We have 10 holes to drill. And right at the end of our pack, first couple would be getting good. But then once we get started getting to eight, nine, 10, or even sooner, the drill starts losing power and it's harder. You have to use more muscle to push it. When if you just stop and take a break and, and recharge, when recharging here is our sleep, right? Even, you know what? I want to put this out there. So this might be crazy. This might be out of the world. Take naps. Naps are great. Like naps, like I don't know who ever said that as adults, we should stop taking naps because they need to be smacked because naps are fantastic. Because when my daughter started taking naps, like, we started like, we should take a nap. I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels so good, right? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, because like the tendency is to like keep move, keep pushing, right? And there's days where we've I've skipped a nap, you know, I'm taking my daughter. I'm like, I got to get something done or I have a meeting or something. And I just feel like my battery just like, Bleh. but at times that I do take a nap or just heck, take at least a half an hour to just to relax and chill, like it changes the rest of the day, right? And then I can show up better for her when you know when she comes back from nanny or or if it's a day where she's here at home from nannies that we can be more present for her right and that's what she needs is us to be present with her and not distracted so sleep is huge and that's the one like we should do that more yeah we should uh, like i should say giovanni did you get your nap in today like you know call it call each other out right oh i skipped my nap (laughs) seriously I don't know where, what time, what, what, how old were we when they said, hey, you know what, naps aren't, aren't good, or you should stop taking naps. Cause whenever that was, man, that, I think that's a huge mistake. As a first grade, they say, no more naps. Horrible. Huge. Well, and even, you know, going on this, you're saying there's so many studies, and I think there are like more than I've ever, you know, we can imagine probably, but there, one I remember that my wife read was that they were, they saw, I can't remember what university it was, but they did a study of car accidents. And they were asking the people if they got, you know, how much sleep they got, you know, bef- that that night before the accident. And most of the accidents, just like a high percentage, what they had less, they had six uh, or under seven hours of sleep. That's what it was, under seven hours. And then they were finding the people that had seven or more hours, they there are very few accidents. So just your reaction uh, time goes up. All those things. So if if that is there then then you you can make better decisions is that what is this andrew 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 i think it's andrew lieberman he's a neuroscientist up at stanford and he talks a lot about he talks about more like routine but he had mentioned something about just about the and the importance of sleep and even like once you wake up from sleep but we, we can talk about that in, in a little bit but yeah, it's like, so I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to actually ask you, I'm going to pass it over to you. Like I said, I was going to, when have you felt the most energized and like, what is your, what's your nighttime routine? How do you feel like your, your nighttime routine is? And cause you, you came from working like 24 seven, like you were on, right? You, I, I can't, I can't say anything. Cause I, you, 
you would only you wouldn't only drive a couple hours to get to work and you drive back from then to now what's changed and like how's your routine changed and what's what's better for you oh i would definitely say for the most part my sleep is way different than it used to be because i used to i mean as you said my routine was you know i would wake up at 4 a.m get dressed get out the door by five at least for a at least a two maybe two and a half hour drive get to the office work till seven maybe six thirty get home by you know eight eight thirty actually do the work from the meetings that I had that day so I'd be up maybe till 12 or one and then I got to get up and do it all over again right so I may get like three four hours whereas now I mean I I'm one of those people I love sleep so like if I could go to sleep at 10 p.m every night and wake up at 7 a.m that's kind of my happy place and I probably don't always get to bed at 10 p.m. just because of, you know, stuff that I might want to accomplish in the day. But I definitely sleep in. And it's funny because my son, my oldest son was here last month and we were talking about this and he was talking about how he didn't realize when he had his kids, like all of a sudden he would have time at the end of the night. And then he didn't realize that oldest son got the less time he would actually have at night so he realized like it was encroaching on his time and he didn't get the the amount of time he really needed himself for his own mental health so he ended up having to switch it to do it in the morning so he could kind of you know get into his day and I think a lot of times I mean to me he is just like so self-aware way younger than I was but and and so now I mean I literally I do take control of my of my time I like to get at least seven hours if I can more than that seems like too much but I love a nap I mean I'm all about the siesta man and you know if you're in Brazil after you eat you need to have uh, some time to relax and let it digest yeah, I think we've gone away from that, right? As as cultures, right? Because Italians say in, in Hispanic culture, Spain, after lunch, lunch is usually typically like the bigger meal, right? You take a little relaxation, not always necessarily a nap or anything like that, but just you relax. Because I remember when I did a study abroad in Spain, yeah, stuff at lunchtime, stuff would be closed down for a couple hours or so, like almost ghost towns, and like and opportunities to go with family, which is like another alternative method, right? Be spending time with your family, but so, Steve, for you, what? Because obviously you've gone through a huge transformation with Guillaume Beret. What, what was it like before? I mean, you've had so many different transformations in your life, right? Going from the workaholic to having more life, to then you know going to have having Guillaume Beret syndrome, and then now coming out out of the, out of that. What, what was it like just before 
Guillain Beret, and then like what is it like now for you? And if I may, just one thing about the food real quick, because it just popped in my head. My family immigrated from Italy to the United States, and then I also have family that didn't make it into the United States, ended up in Australia. So I have some Italian cousins there. And I'll never forget, like when I went there, they we were talking about meals and how they don't eat pasta for for dinner. You eat that for lunch, you know, because then you have time to have all those carbohydrates, and you eat like a lighter meal at dinner before, so that you're not having all that the all that pasta before you go to sleep. But on top of that, I noticed they all took off work, so all my cousins would get off work had a huge meal, like what we would have in the United States for your dinner. Like that would be your big meal with all the camaraderie and the relationships. And they they would have a huge like multi-hour meal with pasta and a big meal. And then you have the rest of the day to work that off, which makes sense. You know, it's like, so these are things traditionally that there was a reason, you know, it's also like in Germany, there are some restaurants that they give you sauerkraut while you're looking at the menu because then you're eating all those prebiotics, probiotics, you're getting those bacteria, you're like getting the stomach ready for the meal, crazy things. And the same, like in Italy too, you also have digestive after the meal. Sometimes you might have an aperitif and that's just other countries too. It's not just one, but just having those things. And those are things that have kind of gone away because what? They take more time. Everything's been like sped up oh we got to just eat really fast you don't have time to say oh you know like so you know what i love when i've spent time in italy because i also have cousins that are still there in italy and so i was having uh, meals there and you know again the lunch was even longer in italy than it was in australia i'd say like australia is like the middle so it's like america fast 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 australia is a little faster but not as fast as americans and then you get into italy and it's like a three hour lunch <laughs> and you're like and it's like the the courses are coming right so you eat in like small amounts you talk and then you have another course and and that also comes back to health because what i've been learning from nutritionists sometimes you want to eat different things at different times so you'll have like the pasta and then you'll have the meat later because your stomach when it tries to digest all these different foods at the same time it actually has a difficulty like getting all the nutrients from it so then I started to see the wisdom in that multi-course meal. Like you're having the pasta, then you talk for a while, then like some meat will come, then you talk for a while, then a salad will come. And and the salad at the end of the meal helps you so you don't eat a lot of sweets because it actually helps take all that other, because when you're having like a big heavy meal, then you tend to want something sweet in your mouth. And so then if you eat the salad, so... In, in the United States, everyone eats their salad first. You know, you go to a restaurant, they serve your salad first. And I remember my grandfather used to always say, you know, you eat your salad last. Like That's how you eat because then it changes. And I'm not, I don't know all the biology behind it. I'm not a scientist in this, but if you inquire or look this up, there's, there's actual science behind why you eat your salad last. Uh, yeah, and it's not even last. They say that, but then what happens after that? Then they bring you an espresso, just a little bit of coffee. Then after that, depending on where they are, like in around Lago de Como, Lake Como in northern Italy, they'll bring you what is only in that region. I don't. This is not really global. I have found it in the United States, but it's very rare. It's called Braglio, and it's it's a digestive liqueur that you have after. So you have your espresso, then you have your Braglio. And then after that, then sometimes then they'll have something sweet or 
or nuts, different things. So it like keeps going. And then and you're having all this, this stuff. So one, it's better for your nutrition, better for your digestion. Two, you're having camaraderie with the people. And then, you know, then you'll work a little later sometimes. So then that you maybe you take all that time in the afternoon and then you'll you might work till seven o'clock, right? So you maybe start in the morning, then you take a huge break in the midday, and then you might work a little later. And so what? Why do we create these hours that has to be nine to five, you know? And I would didn't expect that to go as long, but that's, I had to, I wanted to bring up the whole food thing. And then it also goes with the nap thing, right? And taking time. But to your question, finally, after like, what, that was like three minutes. So thanks for bearing with me on that. My sleep, I was with you, Melissa. You did it longer than I did, I think. I slept three hours a night, many years, many years. And I'm just laughing at Giovanni's comment here, but I'm going to keep going so I don't get distracted. This is, I I would do that. And, and and I do feel the toll in my body. Like my health declined over time and, and, and it was tough, you know, and I was grumpy. I look back and I'm like remembering moments and I don't think I was the nicest guy, you know, so I still had friends during that period. So I know I wasn't a complete jerk, but I definitely noticed that I didn't have the patience, you know, and especially with loved ones, because you kind of let your guard down, right? Like you're so exhausted, you get home and then you're grumpy, crabby, not contributing, like, or you just pass out on the couch when you're supposed to be having a conversation with your loved ones and you're just, you're done, you know? And, and then I started to have more, more life. I, I got mentors and I started changing and, and this is when I, more business, more life started to become where I, where I came up with that name because I started to implement these ideas into my life that I could design my life. And I did start sleeping more and lo and behold, my health got better. I lost weight. I, you know, and even some, at the beginning, I was just eating the same and I felt doing the same thing, but I was sleeping. Like it actually plays a toll on your digestion when you're not resting and recovering. You know, it's like the drill that Giovanni was bringing up, you know, it, the batteries running out and you're not even, you know, being able to digest properly. And so then you get sick. You're not even getting the nutrients in your body to create that energy going back to energy versus time. And, and then, then we had the pandemic and something old parts of me did resurrect, you know, it was like, because so much was changing and we're a training company. So we did a lot of training inside rooms, right? You know, we're like meeting and speaking and doing trainings all, all around the world and all that went away. So we had already been online. So that's the good thing. You know, we had already had some of that, but we had to escalate that to, you know, to sustain the revenue that we needed to for what infrastructure we had already created. And part of me, like for whatever reason, you know, like if you're just looking at the numbers, you know, maybe we would have laid people off or like, stop, you know, we would have changed that. And something inside me just kept saying no, you know, like, no, we're going to make, we're going to turn the corner the next month. And so I bring this up because I did start sleeping a little less and I was motivated to do that. And other lives were at stake and I wanted to be successful in that. And, and I don't think I, I'm not regretful person on that, but also maybe I started making mistakes too. Again, you know, like going back, like looking at it in, in reflection, you know, if I would have gave myself permission, maybe I would have 
done it even better, you know, but it was what it was. And for even for this conversation and then 18 months into the pandemic, I, so there we are dealing with all that. I had all that in because stress was part of it. Stress was part of my, the condition, I think. And most people that have had Guillain-Barre that I've talked to, almost all of the people I've talked to, stress was a component. They all admitted to having stressful situations leading up to the moment that that happened. And so sleep became a huge part of my recovery because this was a neurologic, right? So this is where the the brain disconnects through the myelin. So Guillain-Barre, the myelin sheath is the insulation over your nerves, and it's also the telephone wire. So that was eaten away. My own body overreacted an immune response, and it overreacted, and it 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 destroyed the myelin. Basically, like almost like eats it away. I guess the analogy you say. And so severing the communication between my body and my brain. So you can't move. And I was paralyzed. Face, arms, legs, everything. And I, I didn't think it was into my essential organs, but as I recovered, I was breathing easier. And I so I realized my lungs were affected. Luckily, they didn't get fully paralyzed. But the the thing that I... And it's only been recent. So now I'm almost two years. So it's like 23 months ago that this happened at the time that we're recording this. And it's only really been in the last like three weeks, like seriously, in the last three weeks that I can function with less than nine hours of sleep. So think about that. Like, and it has been drastic for me, even though I'm, I'm living more in with in, an integrated lifestyle, like integrating my family life and the things that I want to do and music and all these things, I still have to adjust because I I track all my time, like even the time that I have with my family. And, you know, I, I, part of me had to accept those nine hours that I can get that back. To you, Melissa, the same, like now... It's still some days that I sleep more than this, but I average about seven and a half only in the last month or three weeks to month right now that I can be really good. Seven and a half hours of sleep. I feel, I feel fantastic. And then some days if I'm a little extra drained or, you know, something happened, then I, I could sleep more like nine hours and feel amazing. And then the whole rest of the day. So I will take the trade. Giovanni, like I will sleep that extra 90 minutes. Like if I had to sleep nine, nine hours, my life is better. So take that nine hours of rest. I do believe I will live longer. I believe that I wouldn't have recovered. Like there was a period of time I was sleeping like 12 hours. So when I was first recovering, I was sleeping 12 hours, taking naps. So maybe even more than 12 hours. Like I, you know, I didn't exactly calculate all my sleeping. But I will tell you for sure, I was sleeping half of my 24 hours to heal. And that was definitely recommended. The neurologist that I spoke with, they said, sleep is going to be your best friend, they said, because you know you your body has a lot of recovery to do. So I just allowed that. And, and I'm blessed that I could. I'm blessed that I had you, the team here, because the company so then goes back to the blessings of whatever my gut was to not let anyone go. Cause what if I would have said, Hey, this isn't working. Everyone let's stop. We have to make new plans. Everyone go get different work. Then 
I w- the company wouldn't have survived if I put more weight on my shoulders. So one, that happened. And two, it gave me the time to sleep and recover, which is huge. And I just couldn't imagine, like there are some people with Guillain-Barre syndrome, they had to go back to work. Like they had to. I mean, like I was able to like basically more or less take an 18 month sabbatical and that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't changed my life. If I was the workaholic person and then that happened, I don't know how it would have worked. Yeah, I think that's so critical because even when we start talking about benefits, health benefits and being able to do that, it's such a blessing that you were able to just take that time, you know, to focus on your health because everybody can't do that. You're, I feel totally blessed in that, Melissa, because you, the other thing, talking about alternative, like Giovanni is bringing up today, most of the things I did after I was in the hospital were, were considered alternative. So really, even with coverage, medical coverage, like it wasn't covered what I needed. Yeah. So isn't that so funny though? Because to me, I I always think about it's like okay, you pay so much for health benefits, but then they call natural stuff the alternative, but they won't pay for the natural. Which is, I think their their mindsets right. There's not much money behind it, which is blows my mind because like there's tons of way. Like I think that's why the big thing is with pharmaceuticals, right? Like because you can't per, you can uh, patent like nature kind of a thing. Which is, I mean they supplement the kind of things but like there's i mean if you're capitalistic there's tons of ways right because isn't like the vitamin industry like ginormous right like creating things but getting back to like the nature of it and like it's why like, it's a, that's why i think it's crazy right if sleep as being like an alternative like i think in our western society sleep has been i don't want to say like has been kind of like the bad guys like you got to work you gotta grind it out yeah, yeah, underrated. But I don't know if it's because I searched something for sleep at one point in time, but I see more and more stuff coming out with either people trying, trying to create things to help people sleep better or even just more like neuroscientists like Andrew Lieberman and other people, other scientists really emphasizing the importance of sleep and how I think we're kind of coming like full circle of seeing the effects of people who have been sleep deprived through their like whole adult lives from just grinding it out kind of a thing. And we're starting to see the the effects and, and causes of not having all that stuff. And it's like crazy. Isn't it something like two, two days of no sleep? Like you'll go like, you'll, you'll literally lose your mind. Like you'll go crazy. Like two or three days of like no sleep. Like you will lose, like you'll go insane, which is insane, right? So like it, it tells you your body needs needs rest so let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back i just want to have an expression of gratitude right now for pro audio voices they're the ones that uh, produce my podcast and becky and her team are amazing and for those of you that know me i'm all about wow clients wow partners and pro audio voices is a wow partner for me and if you want to learn more, you can go to ProAudioVoices.com and you can learn about them. They also do audiobooks and they're just amazing people. Thank you, Becky. There are other, you know, spiritual people that have done like 
long meditations or different things, then they're pulling energy from somewhere else too. So they're still like in a restful state. So even if you do extend those sleep hours, then, you know, being in a mindfulness space, but, but I think, you know, we're talking, cause I did do that once. So in my film days, uh, we had a, one of my first feature film, actually, we were submitting it to the film festival and there's deadline. And we weren't done. I edited for three days straight. People brought me food. I didn't leave the edit bay. I'm just editing away. And then I got in a huge, right after that, then I, it was weird. I couldn't fall asleep. So like you think, I'm like, okay, we submitted. I, my partner on the film, he like took, and this is when we like put it on tape, by the way. <laughs> this is in the 1990s. So we like export and all, and that was nothing too right at the end of the time. I think I had to master it like three times. And we had to watch the film back to make sure because, you know, we were making sure it was at least two times. I knew I had to like remaster it. And then we had to watch the master to make sure there was no glitches. And I, I was trying to stay awake through all that. And then we got through that. And then they took the tape and I was like done. And I was so relieved. I was like, okay. And then I couldn't fall asleep. And then I got in a huge fight with the people I was living with at that time too. And it was nonsense. I look back, I was like, I was belligerently, it was almost like I was drunk. I hadn't drank any alcohol, but I was just stupid. Like it was like, I'm it, like you said, I was pretty much was insane. And I broke the door, like my door to my room because I, I was so pissed. And, but I was, I was not in my right mind, like three days. That's, that's the only time in my life that I hadn't slept three days. Well, I guess I take that back. I might have kind of done that on one of my TV shows, but luckily I didn't break any doors on that that I'm aware of. <laughs> but but it was it was stupid stuff. Like you know, I mean, obviously I had an ambition to do something, but I guarantee, knowing what I know now, that if I would have slept, gave myself permission those three days to sleep, I probably would have got it done. I think I would have got it done, you know? I mean, even if I just gave myself six hours of sleep out of those 72 hours, if I would have sacrificed 18 of them, I probably would have done a better job, made better decisions. I probably wouldn't have had to master it twice and rewatch the whole movie twice. I probably wouldn't have gotten angry and broke my door. Yeah, like look at the, 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 the flip side of it. It's just... It's just not okay. okay. And you know, at that, that time, Giovanni, it was my mantra, you know, like I heard from some other people, like sleep is for dead people. That's actually what was said to me by other entrepreneurs. And I took that and owned it. I'm like, oh, I'll edit. So there's kind of like badges of honor. It's like, yeah. I and for a long time, I'm like, yeah, I edited for three days straight to make the, make it into the film festival. You know, you're like proud of it. You're like, yeah, I did that, you know, and for what? <laughs> Again, I think it's like the Western society of right of the work of like the grind and to it's like if you're not if you're not doing that, you're not going to be, quote unquote, successful or or whatever. Because I mean, I see it. I still see it all the time. A lot of people are just like putting all those hours in and just like, you know, I think there's more awareness around it. Right. We're, like the, we're not the only people talking about it. And like I said, neuroscientists are coming out more and more. It's like, you need to sleep. You need to sleep. I think sometimes hold it, people hold it as a badge of honor that they have the the grind mentality. You know, it's like, if you're not grinding, like my dad was that way. It's like, if you're not, 
if he's sitting down in front of a television, for example, he had better be writing a memo to somebody or a white paper or something. I mean, there had to be like some level of productivity happening if he was sitting in a chair. Right. And there's so much to prove too. I mean, for, and I guess it is for every generation. Are we just more aware? I, cause I think about that all the time, you know, you know, like you brought it up, you know, several times before, I mean, like you or your family is moving around and sometimes you're the only person in that town with your skin color and, you know, just looking different and, and so much fruit. And when my family came from Italy, that's what they did too. Like they were not popular in New York and some of my family even changed their name tried to hide their identity of being Italian so they could get jobs. They did that, you know, and, and they worked really hard. I mean, at that point, that's where that was what they had, you know, this is, and they came with an ambition to have a better life. And they're in, you know, this is a country with massive amounts of opportunity, right? There's so many resources in the land. Why do you think Europeans were traveling out? They had depleted so many resources in their own land there and a small geographic space. So they're looking to expand and find more resources. And then, and then they put labor to work. And so people like your father, Melissa, they took those opportunities and, and rightfully so, and, and good for them in that way. And then we have to wonder, you know, so like, where's the line, right? Like, okay, what, what is good? And then how much is good enough? And, you know, where do we go? And I, I fight with this too in my family because I'm so grateful for everything my family gave me. I wouldn't have the opportunity, you know, being the third generation born here mostly with, with all my grandparents, was, they all arrived at different times. But where where do we draw the line? I mean, you know, it's a really gray area because you want to be able to take care of your family. And especially when you're the minority or, you know, you have an opportunity, you take it and you and you wonder are we going to get another opportunity? We better take it all, you know, are we going to have another? But in that case, then are we just in a scarcity mindset that we have to take all of this because it's never going to come again. But, you know, that's like saying that, oh, we better get all the sun this summer, all of it, because we don't know if we're going to have a summer next year. And then we burn our skin to crisp <laughs> because we're in the sun all the time and we're in so much pain. And then guess what? Four seasons later, we have summer again. So I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, Melissa, and there's value in it. And I too, I too, I know you have gratitude for your father. I know that. And we and 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 we can love him and his ambition. And I can say the same for my family. And I guess I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Melissa? Like, how do we draw the line when, you know, enough is enough, or or I don't know the right words to it. You know, there's a, there's a line where it becomes very much we're sacrificing. I think, you know, what's interesting though, is I think at some point, and hopefully people don't have to learn the way I learned, but I think a lot of times you end up with tragedy or, you know, and it changes your perspective. It kind of shifts you to realizing that the, it's not all about the grind. Like, what is your, what is your purpose here? Like, what is it that you want to do to make your life worth living? And it can't just be about the grunt. <laughs> so it's hard, I think, sometimes when you don't want to turn the difficult questions on yourself. So you just keep doing 
things that you want to get done. But at the end of the day, what do you want to do? What do you really want your life to be about? You know, it's interesting, Melissa, to add to that real quick is that I just read yesterday or two days ago that in 1957, that's when, you know, they say that in the United States, that was the peak of happiness in this country. Okay, well, I wasn't born. Yeah, and guess what? Guess what it was? They say that there's a lot of data you can look up from that year, but they, I don't know all of it by, by no means. But one thing that they did say is that the average home was 900 square feet in 1957. That was the average home size of everyone in the United States. You know, and then it made me flash back to my grandmother. She always said, because, you know, we have these big Italian families, right? And all these people and cousins and everything. She said, didn't matter how small our house was. My mind flashed that because they had all these stories of these small houses. And my grandmother, had this, she was always happy because she had this table that would expand. It would like fold up and go against the wall and then it expanded and they would she said it didn't matter we'd have the doors open and people would be eating outside and inside and like we just fit everyone in and it just like it came back to those things of of life right like being with others feeding each other and not having the big old houses i think part of the being an individual and everyone having to have a, a big house and you know how many neighborhoods in in the in the united states where every neighbor has a pool like, do you really all need, like, why don't you actually have a pool party together? You know, just like saying these things out loud, because then we make ourselves spend all this money. Then we have to go work to make more money for these things. And so things actually take away from our life, right? So do you want more life or more things? On that home thing, like the size of the home, there's actually studies done on like, like a heat map of how much time people spend in homes these days and all the extras outside of the bedrooms, bathrooms, and kitchen, everything outside of that was like minimally used. Like, so like the bigger your house got, like the less time you spent in any of those other spaces. And everybody usually congregates around the kitchen, their bedrooms and or the bathrooms, right? The, th the three things that you really need in a home. And it's interesting because then it goes back to what you just, what you just said, like the bigger, the bigger the house you have doesn't mean necessarily that, you know, you're going to use it more or anything like that. It's just I mean, you got to pay more and like you got to fill the, you, you don't have to, but when we have space, we fill it, right? As humans, like, you, oh, there's something, I need to put something in the corner. I need to put something over here and you buy more stuff. And then you're like, have all these things that accumulate. And I think from what I heard, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was just a little bit over the 900 square feet. So I think it was like around like the, the thousand to like 1200 square feet was like typically an ideal size of home right i mean depends on how many like kids you have i mean if you have 15 kids which i went to school with a kid a guy uh, his family had 15 kids and you might need some more space right but for the average family which is what these days like two and a half what is it two and a half kids or something like that i don't know how you get a half kid but yeah <laughs> It's all that math, Giovanni. It's the averages. Uh, yeah, I know. That'd be funny. This is our half kid, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, Jen and I, we've lived in tiny little apartments as we travel around the world and like lived in different places with the kids. We've lived in tiny little apartments, one bathroom uh, with three kids and two bedrooms where all three kids had one room and Jen and I had the other room. And then and we actually have come to find 
that we prefer the smaller dwellings or even the way that it's designed because some of the big houses that we lived in it's like hey where is everyone we're gonna eat like you're like going around searching for people like you can't find them and and it's crazy and the and then the fellowship goes down right because then you're just like all over the place no one's together and when you're in the small space it forced us all to be together good or bad right it's like you know like you're you're right there so you got to get over your stuff if you get mad at someone you got to get over it quick because you're right there with them yeah melissa just put in the chat texting your kids to come to dinner right it's like well good thing we don't have to install intercoms anymore right like you don't need an intercom in your house everyone has their phone in their pocket but you know i think that i think you know bigger is not always better and you know i've thought about this too because you know i remember i'm a very ambitious person as well but, you know, I really talked to my wife about that as you travel and you look at some of these castles, right? If you look at like even Hearst Castle in Southern California, if you look at, there's this, I forgot the guy's name now, this Canadian, I, I, he's, it's in Toronto. There's a castle there. You can go visit it. He, at one point he had 75% of all the wealth of, of Canada or something crazy, right? And he built this mega mansion and you look at their families when those people died, they didn't keep them. They give those to the government. Why? Because those houses cost so much to keep up. Like no one, the family, the Hearst family, which is a well-off family, they have inheritance and all that. They did the right thing. They gave the castle away because they knew it was going to drain all the family resources to keep such a mega place, right? So I told, I told my wife, I said, if we ever are ambitious to do something like this, if you ever do this, it needs to be sustainable. So I, I often told, I told my wife, if we ever wanted something like this, like a retreat center, maybe not a castle, but like a retreat center, because I do like retreat centers. I like to bring people away from the corporate office. Again, more business, more life coming there. But that's how it would have to be so that it's a collective. It's sustainable, right? It's being used by a community. It's kind of like the idea of a community pool. If you want like a mega pool, well, then have a whole bunch of people living around that pool so then we can all congregate there and have access to that pool then that's sustainable then you would see something that would continue to thrive if hertz castle wasn't turned into a museum it would it would be falling apart it would be dilapidated it would just be gone to the wayside and only the fact that we are you know awestruck by this mega mansion that we would pay ticket prices i was talking to the people there for the state of california that own hertz castle it's it, it Hearst Castle itself pays for like 70 plus percent of all the state parks in the state of California. That's how much it, uh, they get in tickets to people want to go parade around this thing. But if it wasn't for that money, it would not be able to sustain. It would not be able to exist. And I wanted to, because I know we're kind of coming up on time here, switch it to one of the things, because I know you're passionate about is, is another quote unquote alternative, but using or mushrooms or medicinals, like, the, like I mentioned earlier, the previous meeting we had, and you were actually telling that woman about, you know, how mushrooms not only help you in, in your journey to recovery, but like what they do to soak up, you know, toxins and stuff like that of the ground. So you say always eat organic mushrooms, never eat just regular ones because they're absorbing all of the, the yucky stuff. But uh, when will you talk more about that? And she had just shared what it is about, because plant. I think plants are, Kind of getting back to what Melissa was saying earlier about nature, natural things, 
healing, right? And that it's crazy that our, our health system doesn't cover those things. But, and we were talking earlier too, and might as well mention it here is that like, if you allow your body to heal, it will heal, right? Our bodies are amazing things. And if we stop putting in all the toxins and chemicals and plastics and just put in the good stuff, like our bodies will start to heal naturally and on their own. And we'll give them a fighting chance. Our bodies are amazing already. Like you think about how much poison people put in their bodies, right? Like all the foods, processed foods, all the other stuff, like that tells you how amazing our bodies and if we just give it the right stuff, like how much even more amazing things will be. So yeah, would you like just drop some knowledge bombs on us with the mushrooms and like how it's helped you and all that stuff? Well, and there's people that are like super intelligent on this and and we can give some references that you can go look at but i've been learning from others and like you know so mason taylor who owns super feast they're out of australia but they're also in the united states and i don't know what other countries if you're listening in other countries where else they ship but i got to spend time i went on a retreat in peru where we were in the amazon and that's where i met mason taylor People are coming from all over the world to be at this retreat center. And, and then he started sharing with me. And these are like ancient Chinese Taoism medicines that have existed like this transcends time. They were even saying uh, this other farmer that I recently met about a year ago, he was saying that they found Shaga, which is another mushroom, like in or, you know, inside a pouch kind of, they had some remnants, somehow they were able to test it around a skeleton that they had found from, you know, ancient times. So they're saying like our early existence, like as humans already knew the, the medicine of mushrooms at, at a very, you know, many, many years ago. And so to the point of like today, like now there's so much more information about this and lion's mane has become a really good friend of mine because of what i went through with guillain beret because lion's mane uh, uh helps with the nervous system it helps with your brain it helps with your focus so if you find yourself without focus and you're trying to work then lion's mane is a great one for for you this is a, a mushroom that a lot of people don't know about it's becoming much more popular like this is a, which is good it's a good thing but back to your point, like mushrooms, from what I learned, and there's documentaries about mushrooms, like, and I'll have to I'll look it up. I don't remember the title of the one that's just the most recent, but we brought mushroom compost into our land where we're gardening and such. And we learned that mushrooms absorb the tox toxins. So if you, if you, <laughs> that's why, you know, this is my own conclusion. I don't know if who else would say this right now, but just from learning that, that the mushrooms absorb those toxins. I was like, why would I ever eat a non-organic mushroom? Because it's like full with all those toxins and you know that, but it's a beautiful thing that we can use that. And they're seeing too, you know, like one of the, they say there's a mushroom under in Oregon, the state of Oregon in the United States, that's bigger than a whale to kind of conclude this. And, and you'll want to go do your own research and look at this and like a super feast. He has a lot of knowledge and they have a podcast as well. And like I said, there's many, many sources. Another one that recently I saw him is Dr. Zach Bush. And he's showing how he was actually a developer of chemotherapies. And then he started saying, wow, something's wrong. Like when we have so many ailments, it all comes back to inflammation. And the inflammation comes back from the body trying to fight off all these chemicals. 
And so then he found some of the things that he was trying to develop to heal in organic, in organic matter. And so if we actually just ate organic and got the good bacteria, you know, cause the way that Western medicine is, is just to kill everything, take an antibiotic, kill all the bacteria, spraying pesticides and herbicides all over our crops. That's killing all the bacteria. And guess what? We humans, we survive with bacteria. So if we continue to just kill all the bacteria, we will kill ourselves. And Dr. Zach Bush has put out data now that in the next five years, if we continue on the path, I think he said five to 10, but they say it keeps accelerating, that we will have one in three children will be born autistic. I mean, that's the drive that we're going down. And, you know, at first they said it was just a coincidence. Oh, we weren't tracking autism early enough. We were bad tracking. No, you notice like, you know, doc, and go look at Dr. Zach Bush. Like he, he explains it better than me. But all of this comes back from, you know, it goes back to the root of all this. We want good energy. We want to be able to live in a good way. We want our families to be, we don't want to be sick. We don't want to be hurting. We don't want to see our family go through pain. And and we don't want to fight all these diseases. I don't think we have to fight disease. We just have to stop eating poison. I mean, the body's so miraculous. Look how long it's allowed us to survive through all of these poisons. Some of us, not as long as others. You know, someone could go about life and not get Guillain-Barre like I did. Maybe I'm more sensitive. And you know what? I'm grateful that I am. Because if me telling this story could get like one other person to maybe watch their diet, to notice what they're eating. And if, and you know, we all say, well, how do we make change? Right. I don't even want to fight these big chemical companies. I don't want to. What I want to do is I'm going to, I'm going to use my dollars. I'm going to buy organic things. And guess what? Like naturally those, those business people that, want to do business, they're going to notice that over time and they're uh, going to start selling me what I want. It's the best thing is just to take care of you. Like I think sometimes we distract ourselves to go fight. So we leave our house to go to war. And I mean, leave our house, even if you're not, if you're at home, you're leaving your house and you're sitting in front of your computer, yelling at people online on social media. You know, that's leaving your house because you're losing your mind in that. The best thing you do is go hug your family. Go feed them a good nutritious meal. You want uh, and you want to do that and then share that with your neighbors. That could be a good thing. You could we could all change the world if we just slept more. Look at what we're talking about. Get some more sleep, eat some better food, and then relationships. Right? Like be with spend the time. So who are you eating your meals with? Who are you spending time with? Who are you giving hugs uh, to? We will make the world a better place by just doing that. And that's not hard. That's You don't have to go fight the world. You just need to take care of your family. So I often say, stop worrying about the White House, like here in the United States, like, and the elections have gotten really crazy lately. And, and I'm not say, disagreeing either. I'm not saying that the issues are not there. I'm not saying, and I'm not denying that there are issues. I'm just saying, don't let that be all of you. Turn your attention to your own house. So stop worrying about the White House and start working on your house. And if we all did that, where would the world be?
Yeah, like you say, see where focus goes, energy flows, right? And just putting your focus on yourself and your health, being selfish in a good way, right? Like we, we've talked about before, then not only can you change your life, but you change those lives around you, right? Because if you think about, and I know we're probably at the end here, but if you start changing your life and you have kids, like your kids see that in you, and that gives them the ability to change their lives themselves, which then ripples down and it's just a ripple effect. The one trickle down that that works, right? And I mean, like I say, the one trickle down economics that works is taking care of yourself allows other people to take care of themselves, which allows them other people to take care of themselves. And that's what we need to, I think we need to more focus on, right? Is, hey, how do we have, how do I get more sleep? How do I get better food with nutrients in it? How do I have better relationships? Because when we start having those, like that's where stuff really, that's where the magic really starts happening, right? Once we have those those kinds of things. Um, I think caring is the word. Even if you want to talk about trickle down, it's just caring. So in anything, it's going to trickle down if you care. And the companies that we've worked with that really are a family, then when the company makes more money, every employee makes more money. And guess what? That company, we've seen companies double millions and millions of dollars added to the bottom line because everyone was winning, then everyone's rooting for it, right? And so I think that's ultimately what you're saying, you know, like at that it could be at the family level with our kids, that could be our neighbors, our community, like, you know, think of it as a target. Start inward and that means you, to Giovanni's point. It starts with you. If you're not okay, it's going to be really hard to help other people. <laughs> so, uh, and that includes your family. And then and then just go out there and just stick with the word care. Like really, truly care about your neighbor, really, truly care about your kids. And I think we do, but we get delusional about what does that look like? And I think we just, I think we're just getting to the point where we're noticing what's really important. And they say adversity wakes us up. And I think it really is to your point, Melissa, earlier is when big challenges or we lose life, we lose family members, you know, me losing the ability to use my body to be paralyzed. And this is happening all over. Like, you know, we are being told something here, like, listen up, you know, it's time to think differently and do things differently and, and live, you know, we're not made to, well, you know, for many years, like, so just think, and I know we got to wrap this up where this might be a little longer podcast today, but we're, we'll, we'll wrap encapsulate all this. Obviously this is a podcast that comes out weekly, so we can keep talking about this next week. But if you, if we're in the grind mentality and that's all, then what are we living for? What, what are you going to do? Like, you know, maybe you're making something, maybe your, your mission is not to get married, have kids, have a house. Maybe your ambition is to make something. Okay. Go do that. Right. I mean, if that's what you want to do, if you are a family person and you want other things in your life, then just be cautious and and pause enough to be aware of what you're sacrificing. And is that what you want? Is that true? To Melissa's point, is that really what you want? Because you will wake up. You will wake up one day and say, what the hell did I do? And my grandfather, my dad's dad, he was a workaholic too, as as was my father. But at the end of his life, he said to me, he said, Steve, 
You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You're starting to wonder, what, what are you doing it all for? What are you doing it all for? And if you know that, you know why you're doing it, go for it. If you don't, if you're delusional about it, you know, we lose sight of our dreams and we just start going like a mechanism, like a machine in itself. And we're just doing it because we thought we were supposed to. And that, then you, we become old and, and regretful. So I hope you don't find yourself there. So ultimately, I'll say it in, in three easy steps. What are the experiences you want before you die? Write those down. Then design those things into your life now, like daily, weekly, annually. Like if it's a big trip, obviously that'll be put on the calendar. But what if it's something daily? What if you just want to hug your kids more? Well, then go do it. <laughs> and then once you design it, so you, you put down your experiences, you design it, then you build your career around that. You build your abundance around that. Choose your life first choose your freedom first and then design it around. Uh, I thought that I was going to make money and then I would have the life. And then you get there and you're like, wait, this isn't what I wanted. Well, that was because I didn't design it. I just allowed it to happen. If you just allow it to just happen, there is allowing can be a good word. But I mean, if you just like go make money, expecting your dream to all your dreams to come true, it's there's a falsehood in that because you're not doing it by design. If you're doing it by design, and you pour into it, you, you will get the what you want. Does that make sense? Well, thanks for sharing time with us here. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, business tactics, life taxes, you know, our framework for our calendar and these very st structural things. And so thanks for sharing time around energy, nutrition, sleep, things we don't talk about as often, but we should, probably should. So I hope this is helpful. Uh, if you gain value from this, let us know. What do you want to know more of? We appreciate uh, your feedback. And if you enjoyed this, please subscribe, write a review, tell other people what you thought. It doesn't just help us, it helps other people because if we invoked any change in your life today, then if you do that, if you share this, if you write a review, then you're actually helping other people recognize the same information and you're helping others. And this furthers our mission to help as many people have the freedom they desire. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your feedback. Please get involved. We look forward to uh, seeing you, uh, you know, interacting with you on our next episode and on social media. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenoplaton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.